0: Pork Chronicles
1: Prologue My name is Tobias. I was restless. Don't ask me why. I just was. So I flew. There were no Animorph missions planned. The others didn't need me right then. So even though the sun was going down, I flew. I flew toward the mountains. Toward the secret hidden valley the Elemist had shown me. Even now I had trouble finding it even though I knew exactly where it was. Even though, as a red-tailed hawk, I had vision far better than any human. The elements had concealed the valley from human eyes. How? Who knows? The elements could hide all of planet Earth if he wanted to. But knowing where the valley was, I could find it with some effort. I found the narrow gap between two ridges. I was not fooled by the way my eyes kept sliding away from the gap, as if some negative magnetism was at work. I flew as the sun dropped, and the air cooled, and the lift beneath my broad wings failed. I had to flap harder to stay aloft. Stupid, really. Now I'd have to spend the night here in the valley. Then, below me, I saw a sight that made me glad to be there. A strange creature like nothing Earth has ever given birth to. It was four feet tall. There were razor-sharp blades at its ankles, knees, wrists, and elbows. There were two long, forward raked horns coming from its head. It had a tail that ended in stegosaurus spikes. A young Hork-Bajir. A young, free Hork-Bajir. It was swinging, leaping through the trees like a monkey or a squirrel. Running through the tree branches, but happy running, not scared running. I'd played a small part in the Elemist's plan to create a free colony of Hork-Bajir. Not that the Elemist interferes in the lives of other species. So he claims. Right. But in any case, the other Animorphs and I had played a role in helping two escaping hork find their way here. jarrah and Ket-Halpak. Like all hork they had been infested by Yurks. They'd been slaves of the Yurks. Somehow, they had escaped. Don't ask me how. Ask the guy who doesn't interfere in the lives of other species. They'd had a baby. That was him. Or her, cavorting beneath me. I was still not very good at telling the difference. Horkbashir don't live as long as humans, so they grow up faster, too. I increased my speed and outraced the Horkbashir child. I found the nest of caves, six or eight, all close together, where we'd figured the Horkbashir would live. But to my surprise, I could now see that the caves were unused. The adults were in the trees. But not just Jarrah and, and Kethal Pak. There were a dozen or more hork there now. All free, many starting to raise families. I realized then that I had not accidentally headed toward the hidden hork valley. It had been deliberate, even if it was subconscious. I'd been feeling kind of down. But now, seeing this fragile community of free Hork-Bashir, well, how can you see freedom replace slavery and not feel good? These hork had been unwilling shock troops of the Yurk Empire. Now they were raising families, carefully stripping the bark from trees, building a fire near the cave entrances. I swooped down through the branches of a huge elm tree. Jarahami was in the highest branches. Hi, Jara, I said. He waved. He smiled. Or what passes for a hork smile. Actually, it's an expression that would make you want to run. Screaming, Mommy, Mommy, if you didn't know what it was. The workday was about done for the Hork-Bajir. They invited me to the fireside as the night rolled over the valley and the stars appeared. Like any wild bird, I'm a bit leery of fire. But I found a comfortable perch on a fallen log, near enough to enjoy the light, far enough to not feel too much heat. I was welcomed like more than a friend. The hork think I liberated them. Hork bajir are simple creatures. Not exactly the geniuses of the galaxy, I suppose. Talking to Jarahami can be like talking to a four year old. But they are decent, sweet creatures. Almost timid, despite their nightmarish appearance. Eat pork? Good pork, Jarahami said, offering me a slab. No, thank you, I said. I don't want to keep you all awake if you're ready to sleep. Sleep? Ket Halpak said. No sleep. Tell story. Now, I hated to even think what a hork story might be like. Let's face it, sweet or not, hork are not big talkers. What story do you tell? I asked, cringing a little at the possibilities. I felt like I was asking Great Grandma to tell me about her youth, you know? Like the result wasn't exactly going to be Party of Five. Story of Father Deep. Story of Mother Sky, Ket Halpak suggested. Story of Juba Duba, another Orkbashir said. But Jarahami looked shrewdly at me. Well, once again, what passed for shrewd? Story of Yurks and Andalites, he said. Story of war. That perked up my interest. The others all nodded. My father, father. Was a seer, Jarahami said. Different. Not like other hork Not like Jarahami and Kethapak. Like... Like Tobias. Seeing... Seeing far. Knowing much. Father, father, learn story of Endolite, Learn story of Yurk. Give story to Jarahami father. Jarahami father, give story to Jarahami. I'd like to hear the story of the hork War with the Yurks," I said. I don't know what I expected. I guess I figured Jara would say something like, Yerks come, bad, fighting, Yerks win, we lose. But that wasn't it at all. Jara Hami closed his eyes and began rocking back and forth. A weird gargoyle, bright orange, and deep shadow in the firelight. He rocked for several minutes while everyone waited patiently. And then he started to tell his tale It was in the rough, stilted, limited speech of the Hork-Bajir A mix of English and hork And languages I could only guess at It was hard to follow at first But I swear, after a few minutes The words grabbed hold of my brain somehow I could not only hear the guttural words I could hear the original words as spoken by Jara Hami's father-father And the others who played a part in the story an Andalite female named Eldria. A Yurk named Esplin. The Horkbegir seer, Doc Hami. Maybe it was the firelight, or the way Jara rocked back and forth, as if he were in a trance. But I soon forgot where I was. I was far away. Far, far away. I settled onto my branch, fluffed my feathers against the cold, and listened. Chapter 1. Aldria. Andalite date, year 8561.2 Yurk date, generation 685, mid-cycle hork date, early warm Earth date, 1966 My name is Aldria Iskalan-Falan I am an Andalite, a female That was all there was to say about me back then But later I became much more. My name became a cruel joke among my people. And later still, a curse. But when this story began, I was just a young female. Just Aldrea. Not yet THE Aldrea. I understood very little back then, listening with my mind to the thought-speak shouts and curses around me. I only knew that something terrible had happened. I knew that the young, powerfully built Andalite warrior who burst in upon the prince was angry More than angry Furious His name was Alaron Semeter Khoras He would play a role in my life and the life of the galaxy But back then, all I knew was that he was enraged Yes, it's confirmed Yes, Prince Zero, it has happened As I warned you, it would the endelite warrior was pacing back and forth whipping his tail impatiently he was angry he was bitter but it can't be the other endelite said softly they promised me they gave me their word they i have visual logs alaron snapped he opened his hand and revealed a small cylinder a holographic recorder he gave the instruction play Before our eyes, a three-dimensional picture appeared. It was dark. The focus was imperfect. But we could see Geds loping in their awkward way. The Geds carried weapons. Knives. Clubs. Primitive weapons. But one of the Geds carried something more dangerous. An Andalit shredder. In the distance, beyond the Geds, were four Endelite warriors. They were joking, relaxing a bit. Killing time. Soldiers doing dull, uninteresting duty, and making the best of it. One Andalite spotted the advancing Geds. Hold fast. He called. The Geds kept moving. The Ged with the shredder held it concealed behind his back. Hold fast, Yurks. You are not allowed closer to the ships. I peered into the flickering hologram. Yes, I could see a parked Andalite fighter. The other ships and warriors were not visible. I said hold fast. The Endelite warrior said, Orders are to avoid incidents. Another Endelite said, Don't you know these parasites are our brothers? This was said with a sneer. The Geds moved closer. Orders are not, these filthy slugs are not touching my ship. And then, as if in slow motion, I saw the Ged pull the shutter from behind his back. Even in hologram, the light was blinding. Two and a light warriors were incinerated. The two remaining warriors drew their weapons and arched their tails. But it was too late. A wave of Geds descended on them, weapons raised. The hologram flickered off. Prince Zero slumped, his upper body leaning forward, his four legs appearing weak as he absorbed the awful truth. Prince Zero, whose name was to become a curse word and a joke. He was my father. They gave you their word? Alaron practically shrieked. Their word? They're parasites! The Yerks steal the bodies of other species! What did you expect of them? They have no history of harming intelligent life forms. The Geds are barely conscious in their natural state. Prince Ciro argued. It's not as if they were stealing the bodies of truly sentient creatures. They and the Geds are symbiotic. They have... Eloran stepped closer to my father. Listen to me, my prince. The word prince was said with a sneer. Approximately 400 Ged attacked our ground base last night. They overwhelmed the two dozen Andalite warriors on duty there. The two dozen Andalite warriors who had been specifically ordered not to fire on Geds. They were never a threat before, Prince Ciro said. The Yerks, even the ones in Gedhos, are harmless. I didn't want our warriors to accidentally... These 400 harmless Geds. These Yerks, I should say, because they were all certainly Yerk-controlled. Butchered my warriors, Alaron said. My father turned away. He directed his main eyes and his stock eyes away, unwilling to look Alaron in the face. Butchered, Prince Zero, Alaron said. Shall I show you the hollows of the aftermath? These were the gentlest pictures. I have others. Would you like to see what they did to the bodies of my warriors? Now it was something other than anger in Alaron's tone. I could feel the pain in his hearts. And the guilt. The guilt of having survived while his friends died. I don't know how I understood him so well. I was very, very young. So young that neither of the adults paid any attention to my eavesdropping. I was very young then, but I had an active imagination. Maybe that was how I could so clearly imagine the awful scene of Alaron stepping over the Batis. I shuddered. It must have been terrible. And I shuddered for another reason, too. I knew, young though I was, that my father would be blamed. These four hundred Geds overwhelmed my warriors, Alaron said, building back to anger again. And then they seized the four attack fighters and two transports that were on the ground at the time. Couldn't they be intercepted in orbit? My father asked. No, you see, there was no warning. My warriors were dead before they could call for help or give warning. Still, four fighters and a pair of slow transports. Our forces should have no trouble catching them. Catching them? They've escaped into zero space, Alaron said. Four hundred yerk-infested ghets with shredder-armed fighters. Two young warriors came rushing in. We were inside one of the shelters we were forced to use on this planet. There were large windows, certainly, but still, it was an enclosed space, and like any Andalite, I found it disturbing. One of the young warriors had a terrible slash-scar down one flank. It had been treated, but you could see the wound was still fresh. Prince Zero, the wounded warrior said. Remote orbital sensors show that the two transport ships did not immediately jump to zero space. They landed on the far side of the planet. Alaron practically leapt at the young warrior. Are they still on the ground? No, sir. Sensors show they stayed on the ground for only an hour. Then they returned to orbit and jumped to z-space. Prince Zero, the other young warrior said. They landed beside major yerk pools. They apparently loaded a large number of yerks before escaping. A large number? Estimates? My father demanded bleakly. The computer estimate is that with advanced planning and careful coordination, they may have embarked as many as a quarter million yerks. A quarter million, my father gasped. But, but the Yurk leaders, they have been my friends. They cannot know about this. The Council of Thirteen must not have known. This is some rebellion, some group of malcontents. Fool, alaron said. My father's head jerked as if Alaron had tailwhipped him. It was impossible. A lowly warrior calling a prince fool. You fool, Alaron said again. You coddled them, you trained them, you showed them the universe, you showed them all the things they could not have, living here on this planet of theirs, you even built them portable controllers and thus freed them. The Yurks are intelligent, sentient creatures, they have a right to join other sentient races, they have a right... A quarter million highly intelligent, ruthless, and determined parasites have just been loosed upon the galaxy," Euleron said flatly. They have six Endelite ships. How long before they learn to build their own ships? How long before they become a plague? How long till they find some race more useful than the Geds, some race they can infest and transform into shock troops? There are thousands of inhabited planets in just this arm of the galaxy. Aloran turned all four eyes on my father. Prince Zero, you are relieved of duty. You can't relieve me, my father cried. When a commander has become incapacitated due to injury or mental defect, his subordinate may relieve him, Alaran quoted from the Regulations. What a mental defect, my father demanded. Stupidity, Alaran said harshly. The stupidity of kindness. Charity to potential enemies. You're a fool, Zero. A soft, sentimental, well-meaning fool. And now, my men are dead, and the Yurks are loose in the galaxy. How many will die before we can bring this contagion under control? How many will die for Zero's kindness? Zero's kindness. Even then, all those years ago, I knew... My father's epitaph had just been written I could not watch any more. I ran outside, unnoticed by the adults I ran outside into the York twilight The wild green and yellow shoot sky was turning dark The harsh air rasped my throat Soon the nightly rain, the acid rain, would fall And I would have to retreat back into the shelter We would be leaving this planet soon I knew that. I could see the remaining warriors setting up a defense perimeter around our small compound. The Andalite Yurk Peace and Cooperation Center. That's what it was called. And now it was beginning to bristle with shredder cannons. I turned my stock eyes toward the Yurk pool. The Yurks call it Sulp-Niar. It looked like molten lead. I had come to the Yurk planet with my mother and father. It was all part of showing the Yerks that we were sincere in our desire for peace and friendship. But I had never liked this planet. I had never liked the Yerks. And now, they had destroyed my father's dreams. Ciro's Kindness My father's love of peace had released the evil of war upon an unprepared galaxy.
0: Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is... As always, I almost almost lost it there. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and I am very sorry about this one coming out late. Uh, My brain just sort of uh, got confused last night, just sort of short-circuited, and I was like, Oh, yeah, it's Wednesday evening. I have all of tomorrow to edit. I don't need to finish this tonight. That was wrong. I did have to finish it that night, and I didn't. Um, but it's here now, and we are into the Hork-Bajir Chronicles. Good stuff. I really liked this book as a kid. Uh, it was, I think, the one Animorphs book I actually bought from the Scholastics Book Fair. The rest I uh, borrowed from the library, but I did own the Hork-Bajir Chronicles, and I think still own it somewhere. I think it's in storage at my parents' house. I'm going to have to dig that out. Um, but... In the meantime, I do have an email here from Willis the Aris, a longtime writer and listener of the podcast. Writer in and listener of the podcast, Willis the Aris. It's written in once again. Thank you for writing in, Willis. Uh, they say, So listening to the Supercut, the thought came to me that if the David Saga didn't happen, or if David died via Yerk before the saga really pops off, they probably would have used the Morphing Cube to save Sadler. They don't really have time for it with David running around. But Sadler could have been a true, quote, sixth ranger. Signed, Willis the Arts, uh, and then keep up the good work, my prince. Thank you, I will. <laughs> uh, thank you for writing in, Willis. So, that's an interesting idea, and I think why it's interesting to me is I don't know that they would use the Morphin Cube to save Sadler. Because both Rachel and Jake mentioned that Sadler is kind of a jerk, and they don't really like him. Um, And that certainly isn't a good foundation for, you know, trusting someone with your life. Um, as they would have to if they used the morphing cube and gave Sadler morphing powers and initiated him as an Animorph. Um, But I think that's what's so good about the Animorphs, is that uh, if you remove one moral quandary from the David Saga, it just presents a second moral quandary that also is really tough. Because, yeah, they either have the choice of trusting someone that they don't really like and may not be able to work with, with their lives, and with essentially the fate of the world, or they have to choose to let someone die. Um, Which, frankly, is, you know, sometimes the correct choice when you are in a war. Uh, War's very bad because it causes good people to have to do bad things. Um, But that's like what the whole series is about, right? It's about the compromises we make in war through the lens of a bunch of 12-year-olds fighting aliens. Uh, Which is why it's why it resonates and why, you know, we're a bunch of adults um that are listening to me, another adult, read this book. <laughs> um yeah, so I, I don't know that Sadler would have would have joined them, but it's an interesting thought. If you disagree with my analysis, uh anyone, please feel free to write in. You can write in the way Willis did, which is through Gmail, that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can do it on Tumblr at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Um, or you can do it through my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the Apodcalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, and you can also reach out to me on Twitter. I probably won't read out uh, the message on the show if you just tweet at me, but you can also reach me and I'll reply on Twitter. Uh, that's also where you should check if, like this week, I was late uploading and you're like, what's the deal? Where's my episode? Check Twitter, Uh, that is where I will be letting you know. Normally, I know ahead of time um, that something's going to be late, and I'll tweet it out ahead of time. This time, I was literally um, walking to my car to go to work, and it hit me that today's Friday, and I should have uploaded last night. And I had to tweet that out real quick before going to work. (laughs) Um, But normally, I'll, I'll have advance notice. Uh... If you use Apple Podcasts and want to leave me a rating and review, uh, I would appreciate that. I guess that's a, a secret fourth way or fifth way of reaching me. Um <laughs> and uh that's uh that that's all I got this week. Um stay tuned. Ne- I'll tell you right now, next week might be a little late as well. I'm gonna try to get on time, but I'm trying to work out um I guess I I guess I can announce it now. Special exclusive announcement. Um I'm gonna get a second voice up here in this podcast uh I, i'm working it out and uh the only issue is that i've kind of sprung uh <laughs> the chapters i need uh i kind of short notice for next week so if he if he can't get it in um next week we'll just have to wait a week because and i i think that's reasonable you know if you don't think it's reasonable i've given you all the ways to contact me and yell at me so come at me <laughs> But in the meantime, um cross your fingers, we'll have uh episode is scheduled and double cross your fingers, it will contain um exciting new voice work by someone who isn't me. Or I'll still be on here, just to be clear. I'm not handing this project off. Uh, that SpongeBob me was like, wait. Uh I'll I'll still also be in, in those chapters, but also a new voice. <laughs> all right. Um I I think I'm a little slap happy right now. I'm a little punch-drunk, so I'm gonna get on out of here. Thank you all for listening, and I will probably see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.